The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Come on, come on, good morning. Come on, you could do better than that, Valley Metro. Good morning. I, I say this all the time, I'm going to say it one more time. I am a crowd participation preacher. The more that you participate, the faster this thing goes. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Amen. There we go. There we go. It's as always, it is an honor to be here, especially I love your pastor. You guys have a really, really good pastor. You know that? That was a real good time to clap. Somebody got the message. Woo! That's a really good time to clap right there. Well, I am excited to be here this morning. Uh, we have had an eventful week all week. I mean, we have seen, I can't even, I've lost track of how many souls that we've seen saved already. And we're believing that today, that in the same stadium that Billy Graham preached the gospel, that we're believing that hundreds and thousands of young people will show up and receive this salvation that we've all come to know. Amen? I am... Uh, um, I, I'm just a little blown away. There's been some things. And, you know, where's Jacob? Where's Jacob? Is Jacob in here still? He, let me tell you, Jacob has worked his tail end off, guys. Can I say tail end? He's worked it off, man, this week out at the stadium and there in the prayer room and everything else because there's been a whole lot of stuff leading up to this. There's been, how many of you know you don't just put on a big event? Okay, there's a ramp. You ramp up and then you ramp back down again. Like, I'm sure Monday will be a day that everybody just sleeps in and relaxes. No, most of them will get up and go to work. Most of them will get up and they'll go in and they'll be mission on their job. They'll take that same lifestyle. Once the mission switch gets cut on, once we begin to do the work of an evangelist, once we begin to understand the importance of that gospel message that transformed our life, once we see that, then it gets broke off. You can't stop talking about it. Acts chapter 4, verse 20. The disciples themselves, in an area that they could be stoned or killed or murdered, they said, verbatim, we cannot help but speak of the things which we have seen and heard. If you think about your own life and what God has done in your own life, that should ignite a passion in you to where you can't help but talk about the one that saved you. You can't help but talk about the one that loved you, the one that gave everything for you, the one that continues to pour himself out on us daily. Because let's face it, we don't all wake up every day in a really good Christian mood. Can I be honest? There's times like on the airplane, this is what I do for a living, guys. I get to love people for a living. But I'll, I'll be on the airplane, and sometimes I'll get on the plane, and I'll want to zone out. I want to get on and put on my headphones and, and listen to some worship and then take a holy nap. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? And just and rest. And the Holy Spirit will say, talk to the guy next to you. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to the guy next. I want to go to sleep. But we do it because we feel that same zeal and passion that he feels for us. Amen. So turn with me to Daniel chapter three. I'm going to talk this morning a little bit about. We're going to go into some scripture. I'm going to share some fresh testimony from this week. Amen? Isn't that good to hear something fresh? I'm going to sh I, want, I, want, I want you guys to see what's actually been going on. I, um, man, we went to Van Nuys High School. How many are familiar with Van Nuys High School? 
Is there anybody in here familiar with Van Nuys High School? Went to Van Nuys High School the very first night. I'm going to be honest, we didn't exactly know the rules. <laughs> so we were walking around on the sidewalk and Holy Spirit began to lead us onto, uh, onto the campus. So we, we, we went up and the next thing you know, we're pretty much right in front of the front door, which we found out later on that we couldn't be. Holy Spirit, sometimes he, when He leads you, you're okay, right? So we go, up on this, we go up on this campus, we go to the porch, right? We're up there coming down out of the front. There's this group of kids that's sitting right here. We walk up to them. Now listen, I want to tell you that even the hardest ground, even the hardest ground that it seems like nothing can break through. And people, there's, listen, we have schools in Dallas I don't even like driving by because, because of how hard of a ground they are. But you know what, man? It's in the darkness that the light shines the most. So we walk up and we, we it, this is how easy it was. We walk up to this one young man and the Lord had given me a word of knowledge that somebody had a messed up shoulder. And I said, which one of you guys is it that has your shoulder, your right shoulder's messed up? And this one kid, you know that look, whenever the word of knowledge comes forth, he's like, um, me? Prayed for him. His face completely changes. I, actually, I say pray for him, but how many of you know we're not called to pray for the sick? We're called to heal the sick. Scripture says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's God's desire to heal. So we basically laid hands on him. He gets completely healed. And then he's like, he stands up and he's like, oh my gosh, man, like what just happened here? So then all of a sudden, how many of you know whenever God shows up like that, a crowd starts to kind of come? So now there's a crowd of students that start to come up a little bit. And he hears the gospel message. And with tears in his eyes, he says, I need that. I need that. This other guy comes walking up. He's a skater. He's been skating the whole time we're there. He comes walking up and, and just basically turned to him and said, bro, where are you at with Jesus? And he goes, I could be a lot better. I said, you know, are you tired of trying to be the Lord of your own life? Are you ready to give all that to him? And he says, yeah, man, I'm ready right now. But get this. Then he says, but my wrist, man, I fell a little while ago and it's hurt. And I seen his shoulder get healed. Can you guys pray for me? I said, no, bro. I can't pray for you right now. But this guy that just got healed, he can. So we had the young man that got his shoulder healed, put his hand on the guy that had the messed up wrist, and pray, and he's healed in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden he goes, oh my gosh! So now there's more people coming up. So we're open air preaching the gospel, the simple gospel message. We're not making it about anything else. And they're hungry for it. And they want it. And they're accepting Him. That day we had 25 people saved. Did you hear what I just said? We had 25 people born again. All of heaven rejoices over one. And we had 25 people. But let me tell you, I'm a papa. I have five babies. And I have a grandbaby. And I come, we decided we were going to walk around the school there. So we began to walk around the school and there was a, there was a porta potty outside of the school. And in that porta potty, I opened up the door and there is a young lady in there with a needle in her arm and she has clothes hanging up and she has she lives in a porta potty. Did you hear what I said? She lives in a porta potty. She lives where people think is probably one of the grossest, most messed up areas. That's her kitchen table. That's where she eats at. And she has a drug problem and she's a young lady. It's not like it was a 50-something-year-old lady. This is the stuff we see every day when we walk around. 
in the valley. Amen? This is the stuff we see. What if, what if your simple act of obedience to the Lord is what's going to take that person from living a life of death and actually heading straight to an eternal damnation? I'm being honest. We'll be preaching the Gospel, okay? The truth. That if you don't know Jesus, you are forever separated from God at the point of death. Is that true? Is that the Bible? Somebody in here say amen if you believe that. It's eternal separation from God, and God does not desire that. He says, I don't desire that any should perish, but that all should come to the understanding and to the salvation with Him. If you speak that word, what can happen? Last night, we had a group, a, a group of volunteers. We all got together, and, and, and we learned a very important word out of Matthew. And we learned a very important word. Uh, basically, the whole book of Matthew is just really good for identity. How many of you know who Matthew the tax collector is? I'm not preaching that sermon today, but I am going to do like a revamp. Matthew, the tax collector. That was his job. What do you think Matthew did? Somebody help me. He was a tax collector. Okay, still to this day, who in here loves the IRS? Amen. You see what he dealt with every day. Okay, he was a tax collector. In Israel, a child at the age of five is taught they want them to become a rabbi. I think I've talked about this before a little bit, but they want... They want them to become a rabbi. Why? It's the creme de la creme. It's what everybody wants. You know, you want to see your child to be successful? These are the ones that have power, they have money, they have understanding all inside of Jerusalem. So they wanted them to become that. So a child by the age of five is taught the Torah. I mean, they pour it in them, they pour it in them, they pour it in them. They want them to memorize the Shema, Deuteronomy 6. They want them to memorize all of that scripture. And then from that point, whenever they feel like they have a good grip on the Torah, they will move them on to studying the Tanakh, which is the rest of the Old Testament. So they'll start studying the Tanakh, and then when they reach an age, usually around 16 years old, they will approach a rabbi. They will come up to a pastor, a leader, and they'll say, Pastor or rabbi, can I be the dust from your feet? And the rabbi will turn around, and he'll ask a question. And when he asks that question, if they answer it correctly, he says, whenever they answer it correctly, he says, follow me. If they answer it incorrectly, he says, return to your father's business. Okay, so in Matthew 9, Jesus walks in. And across, across at a distance, he hollers out at Matthew. Now, Jesus' reputation preceded him. Okay? Before everyone was throwing stones and, and hitting him, remember, they celebrated him entering into their city. So his reputation preceded him, and he is the great, the great rabboni, the great master teacher. Everyone, he's a prophet from God. So when Jesus looks across at Matthew, who is a tax collector, he didn't make the cut. And he says, follow me. All of those years of rejection, all of those years of resentment, all of those years of guilt and shame. Now, mind you, Matthew didn't make the cut. He said, return to your father's business. That means his father and his father, because this is tradition, passed on. So all of a sudden, imagine Matthew. He can't believe what just happened. So last night when we were talking and, and, and just really encouraging everyone that was going to be out there today volunteering, we had told them, 
that today not only are you releasing the simple gospel message, but you're going to release identity. You're going to begin to tell these kids, even the ones, there's going to be Christian people there. There's going to be Christian young men and women there. There's going to be Christian teenagers, Christian college students, older Christian people. I don't think it's limited to just the younger people. Because when the gospel message to go out, it's for every generation. There are going to be parents there that get born again today. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? There are going to be parents that brought their kid because it's a free event and because they can't afford to buy them a Nintendo Switch or because they can't afford to buy them a new skate deck. They're going to bring their kids. They're going to hear this gospel message and they're going to give their heart to Jesus today. That means what? That their lineage is going to be broken. That a new DNA is going to come in. That they are going to begin to follow Jesus. Amen? Turn with me to Daniel 3. I hope, listen, not only do we want everyone to come out there today, but we need volunteers today. That was a good time to say amen right there. We need volunteers. What does that mean? It means we need servants. We need John 13 servants. Jesus Himself, the great Messiah, the one that we call Lord, the one that we call King. Remember, He says He was going to humble Himself. He said, because I know who I am, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going back to. He humbled Himself to wash the feet of the church. Beloved, today is your opportunity, everybody in this place, to wash the feet of the church. To wash the feet of the lost. To see a great harvest come in. I am. You're like, oh man, I hope He's not throwing it back on me. I am. I want to labor with you. I am. Like, I'm serious. I want, I want this brother right here, I want to be next to him witnessing to a young, a young person and see them come to Jesus. I want to be with this brother over here baptizing people in the end zone. Guys, I'm totally excited about this. I may be that I may seem like I'm out of like I'm out of my mind, but I am not. I am in line with his. And his goal right now is to see the salvation of many 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 people today. And right now what I am saying as an evangelist, you say I'm not an evangelist. No, but we're all called like pastor said to do the work of an evangelist. Do you know what evangelism is? It's a bunch of lovesick children running around telling everybody how good their daddy is. Did you hear what I said? That's exactly what it is. It's them running around going, you don't, you don't understand what I was saved from. You don't understand what he did for me. Like I was in addiction and he took me out of that. Or I was in depression and he took me out of that. Or I was caught up in the business world just trying to get my mind on money, 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 money. And he came and, re- and, 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 and took me to another place of reality. Another place of revelation. Like, I'm dead serious today. I'm a little motivated. Is that okay? And no, it's not the Red Bull I had on the way here. It's all the time. It's Jesus. So today, I don't know what you came in here with. But we're going to read about three. We're going to talk about faith today. Woo! One of my favorite subjects, man. We're going to talk about these three Hebrew children. That no matter what they were told, they answered back with boldness. Now, we're going to be doing some reading, so I hope you got your Bibles. Who's got their Bibles today? I would encourage you guys, listen, I'm going to raise this up a little more. Pastor, you did great, but I'm going to go a little more. I love, I know we're in a, I know we're in a, 
I know we're in a millennial generation Z type of age where everybody has it on their phone, but I love the book. I love the page. I feel like you use all five senses whenever you have the book. You smell the paper. You see the words of God. You feel his presence as you're reading out of his words and his book. So I would encourage you, if you don't have a paper Bible, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to be a papa for a second. Get one. Get one and bring it with you. Love your Bible. Mark it. Make notes. Highlight things in here as the Lord begins to speak to you. Because you can't, you can't do a lot of that on electronics. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll read every now and then from my electronics too, amen? But there's something about the book, something about having it with you. So Daniel chapter 3, we're going to skip through a little bit of the story. And we're just going to go, we're going to start straight at verse 8. Here we go. Therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that a, that a man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, they shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship the, has to be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have apported, imported over the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you, and they do not serve your gods nor worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every other kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall be immediately cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I love this part, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter, or we don't even need to think about it. If this be so, our God, who we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it made known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and he expressed it in his face and his change, change toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. Now catch that part right there. That means that they had already sacrificed people. There had already been a remnant that had said, we will not serve your gods. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments. And they were thrown in the middle of the burning furnace because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the burning, fiery furnace. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three, circle three right there if you have a pen, men bound, circle bound, into the fire? They, they answered the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but behold, I see four, circle four, men walking unbound, circle unbound, 
in the midst of the fiery furnace, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out and come here. Man, we've read this story. How many of you, how many of you are familiar with this story? How many of you, this is the first time you've ever heard this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? So everyone, this is, this is one of the most famous stories in all of the Old Testament of the three Hebrew children that said, we will not bow, O king. I, 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 the Lord pointed out some things, the Holy Spirit pointed out some things when, when I began to read this that I, had, that, that I had never noticed before. You know, one of the things was, get this, when he said that he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter, it killed the men that were about to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in. How did they get in the furnace? Scripture says they fell into the furnace. They fell into the furnace right then. And the king was astonished immediately at what he's seen. He looked and he said, behold, we have thrown three in there and they were bound. They were tied up. They were gagged. They had all their clothes on. They were prisoners. And they were thrown into the fire. And now I see four. And they are unbound. I know sometimes in life, I know this is a story about a furnace. And I don't know where you are right now in here, Valley Metro, but I know sometimes in life you feel like you're going, in a, you're, you're going through a furnace. That you're being burned up. That something inside of you, I don't know if it's, if it's I'm just going to be honest, if it's sin. I don't know if it's, if it's, if it's a sickness that, that you have that, that, that can keep you bound up and keep you in that furnace. I don't know if it's, if, it's, if, if, it's, if it's a financial situation that you feel like you're all bound up and you're sitting there thinking, I'm at the, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what I'm going to do. Man, I've tried church. I've went. I've listened to the preachers. And, and, and I've tried to do this thing, but I just can't. I feel like if I don't get help, if, if something doesn't happen, I don't know if I can face tomorrow. I'm not going to ask anybody to show your hands if you've ever felt that way because I'm pretty sure every one of us in this room have felt that way at one time or the other in our life. Whether it's a family situation, there's all kinds of things that can keep us to where we feel like we're bound up. The important thing at the very beginning of this story is to understand that they willingly went in. They willingly said, O king, we don't even have to think about this task. We don't have to think about it. We will not serve your gods. That even though we perish, we will only serve the one true God. You remember another lady by the name of Esther who said the same thing? If I perish, I perish. Does anybody remember that story? God is so good and so sovereign that once you get a taste of Him, it doesn't matter what comes before you in your life. His way will always be better. It may not seem like it at first. It may seem like a struggle at first. But get this, you're never alone. My big deal before I really was born again was everything that I went through, every trial that I faced, I always had to deal with it myself or felt like I was dealing with it myself. My grandmother, 
used to have that Footprints in the Sand poem posted all over her house. It was so annoying. I was like, Grandma, this is in the bathroom. This is in the kitchen. This is in the living room. What does that mean? And she goes, I always want to be reminded that I'm never by myself. The whole point of this message today is for you to understand that there's a fourth man in the fire with you. There's a fourth man walking. And what I love about that whole thing is you go into that furnace and you're all bound up. But once you encounter that fourth man, the chains that have kept you bound start to break off. Little by little, organically, the time we spend with God. Now don't get me wrong, I believe in a God that is able to bring true salvation at that exact moment. I've got friends that were delivered, were healed and saved the minute they said yes to Jesus. You hear what I said? They would have cancer or they would, or, or they would be drug addicts and they were completely delivered the minute they said yes to Jesus, right then and there. But I've seen other people that the Lord just wanted to encounter them first. And then softly and gently, He walked them through the process. He walked with them through that furnace. He walked with them through that fire. He said, we will let go of that addiction and I have you, I will be here with you. We will let go of that sin that you have. And everybody knows what I'm talking about, the stuff behind closed doors that, that we don't like discussing. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'll be the guy that loves you enough to come here and go, we all sin. Hey, it's in the Bible. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that, right? If we try to deny that, we're denying who we really are. And we're actually saying, you know, we're, we're actually saying, you know what? You're kind of cheapening grace a little. Just going to be honest with it. Because grace, it's the grace of God. Repentance is the outstretched arm of God's grace. So we can stay in that constant state of repentance to be holy as He is holy is what 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us. That was a good moment to say amen there. That was really good. I'm just, hey, I'm going to amen myself here in a minute, okay? But I don't know what you've been going through. How many of you, you know what? How many of you would just be honest and you would say, you know what? I came in here today and I am going through some stuff. How many of you would be honest and raise your hand up? Yeah, see, there we go. Look around you. Say, it's called a cloud of witnesses. You see that? That there's people that are going through some stuff. And you need to hear today that you are not alone. You know, Matthew the tax collector, whenever he heard, follow me, there was a whole new revelation that was brought into him. Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3 in front of everyone. And it says that God split the heavens. It was plural. That he split the heavens so that everything on the earth, above the earth, and under the earth, and everyone could see, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. There would be no arguing, no arguing the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. And get this, in the very next chapter, the first thing the enemy comes against Jesus with is what? If you really are the Son of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew they were children of the Most High. They knew, just like Jesus did in John 13, they knew who they were. So they looked at him and said, we don't even need to think about it. We will not serve your God. Paul before King Agrippa, the same thing. Paul, whenever he would preach the Gospel to Rome, he was like, listen, I don't even need to think about this. And can I, can I talk about something that may be a little hard to hear for a minute? Is that okay? This is hard. No, this is a hard word. But I was, I was thinking about the, the, the Columbine High School the other day. As we were doing all this work, man, I'm already getting emotional here. As we were doing all this work, 
for the, at the different high schools. How many of you know who Col what Columbine High School is? It's when they line the believers up in front and they begin to shoot them one by one. And don't get me wrong, I'm not taking away anything from any of those students. They're all heroes, I believe, with all my heart. You know, standing up martyrs for Christ. But man, I couldn't help but think about the last one. Now this is powerful what I'm talking about. In other words, the last one had seen what had happened repetitiously to everyone before him that had said, I am a follower of Jesus and I will not back down. But yet when they got to him, he said the same thing. There's a song. We've all heard it. It's called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Anybody heard that song? That's an old school. It's one of my favorites. You know the story behind that song? Here's the story. There's a, a revivalist that, that leaves Wells and he journeys to Ashan, India. He goes to Ashan, India. Asan, India. Sorry. He goes to Asan, India. Takes his family. Takes his wife. Their three kids. And he takes a scribe. Back then what missionaries would do is they would bring a scribe with them. That way they would write down the accounts of everything that happened to the missionaries because they wanted to, to charter the stories of what God's doing, the glory stories, amen? We like hearing testimonies. So he would go with them. So they go to Asan, India. They show up, and guess what? Acts 5.42 and Acts 20.20 20 says that if we go home to home, salvations will begin to take place. So they begin to go home to home. So people started getting saved. They set up a little church right there in the village. All of a sudden, the village chief, who's also like the witch doctor, found out about what was going on. I know you're thinking, man, I wanted to hear something super uplifting today. It gets better. Just stick with me, okay? So all of a sudden, he found out about what was going on, and he said, you bring those missionaries to me right now. You bring them here. So he brought those missionaries in front of him. And he told the guy, the leader, the missionary, he said, if you don't renounce your Jesus right now in front of all of these people, I'm going to kill your family. And the missionary said, I have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. He brought his family before him and shot him with arrows right then and there. I'm being totally serious right now. So then he looks at the missionary and he says, missionary, you've lost your children. He said, I'm about to bring your wife up here right now and do the same thing to her. He said, though no one joins me, still I will follow. Though no one joins me, still I will follow. There is no turning back. Shot his wife. So then he looks at him and he says, missionary, you have nobody. Do you see what's happened before you right now? Why should you serve a God that would let this happen? And he said, the world behind me, the cross before me. There is no turning back. And he shot the missionary. He turned to the scribe. And he told the scribe, he said, you go back and you tell this story and say that anybody that comes here, the same fate will suffer. So the, he goes home, he writes the song. The song begins to be sung all throughout churches. And he came, he come upon a man by the name of William Carey. And William Carey heard that song. He heard the story and brought thousands of missionaries back. The reverse actually happened. Oh, king, we don't even have to think about it. You can set up a graven image. You can set up a, a Mercedes Benz. You can set up whatever you want. We're not going to bow before it because we know we serve the one true God. 
And our God is able to deliver. And not only able to deliver us out of the fiery furnace, but out of your hands, O king. Basically, they looked at him and said, you're just a king. We serve the king of kings. We serve the Lord of lords. We serve the one that you yourself will be subject to one day. So then when they're in that fire, just like you, are in that fire right now and you feel bound up. And then when you, when you invite Jesus into your situation and he begins to walk with you through it. And all of a sudden, sometimes it's a process. Sometimes what has you bound up, your hands bound becomes to come loose. And then what has your feet bound becomes to come loose. So little by little, the addictions that you had start to fall away. The sin that you have begins to fall away. The unforgiveness that you have in your heart begins to fall away. And then all of a sudden now, you're walking in the freedom that Christ paid for. And as you're walking in that freedom, He begins to show you the way out of the furnace that you're living in right now. But notice this, when you come out, you never stop burning. I'm going to let that soak in for just a minute. Because we've been in that place, because we've been in that fire, because we've been with Him, you can't help but burn. So many scriptures in the Bible said, basically God is like, is, is a fire inside of my bones that I have to let out. Man, I, I've told a testimony to you guys about when I, when, I, when I got healed of cancer and I came out into the waiting room and God had that branding iron and He hit my heart. Most of you remember that, right? If not... When I, ca- I had cancer, the Lord healed me. I came out into the waiting room to preach the gospel to everyone out there. And the minute I opened the door up, I seen a vision of a branding iron. I'm from Texas. You guys know what a branding iron is. Okay. Branding iron, and it hit me in my heart, and it was Acts 4.20. That I would never be the same again. Because I know Jesus saves because He saved me, and I know He heals because He healed me. Right then and there. And what He's going to do for me, He's going to do for everyone else. If you're in this room and you've been saved, there's people that are going to be saved because you open your mouth. If you're in this room and you've been healed, there's people in this, in this area that are going to be healed because you lay hands on them and believe. Freely you have received, freely you give. Come on somebody, I'm only serious right now. So He, he, walks, he walks up. Listen, even the doubters. The ones that have, I'm I'm speaking to the ones that have been in the marketplace and you said, you know what? You don't understand. I can't share my faith because whenever I do, they call me one of those crazy charismatics. They call me one of those holy rollers. They call me one of those weird Christians. And they say, listen, I am perfectly, perfectly content living my life the way it is right now. But when damage begins to take place, someone in their family becomes sick. Someone in their family is in dire need of something. That's the ones that come over to you. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that come over to you and they go, hey, my mom's in the hospital. Can you pray for her? This king, all of a sudden, he's seen this happen before his eyes. And before it said that, that, that he was full of rage, so mad that he said, I want to kill them all. And then all of a sudden, he's in the door of that furnace going, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Your life is a testimony. Your life gets the gospel message out there. When you begin to show and brag about what God has done for you, then everyone else begins to see because they know you. Especially your friends, family, and coworkers. They know you. They live next door to you. 
They know the man that used to walk around with a sling, his arm in a sling, that doesn't need it anymore because he's been healed. They know the one that has been in and out of the hospital because they've needed new kidneys. By the way, there's somebody in here that I'm going to pray for you before we leave. You have some issue with your kidneys. So you have an issue with the kidneys, right? And, and they're, they're in dialysis. They know we can't come over and visit them on Tuesdays and Thursdays because they're in dialysis. And then all of a sudden, they didn't get a kidney transplant. They got new kidneys from heaven. And now they go, what in the world just happened? They know, they know little Timmy. Your son, little Timmy, who used to come home at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and he would have track marks all up and down his arm or he would smell like marijuana and now Timmy is working a full-time job and he's getting married and he's going to church on a Sunday morning because something happened in his heart. And they begin to get this, actually want what you have. Whoa, I said it. All too often, Christians, we should be the happiest people on earth. But not because of happiness. Hear this. Because of joy. We have an eternal joy. The joy of our salvation. Happiness depends upon what's going on in your moment at that time. Your situation. You know what I mean? When I get on the 405 sometimes around rush hour, I am not happy. But I still have my joy. Am I speaking to anyone in here today? If not, I'm going to preach to myself. Hallelujah. But I believe this morning, I believe the Father is looking at every member in here and He's going, you know what? I want you to take my hand. I want you to allow me to start the process of breaking what bounds you. I want you to allow me to start the process of getting you out of this furnace. I want you to allow me to walk with you and walk through, walk with you and through you. Man, that same poem I was talking about, I don't know if you guys know it. I mean, there's a lot of kids in here who may not know it, but I'm going to do my best to quote it. I actually can't get it out of my head now since I started, since the Lord brought this revelation to me. It says, one night a man had a dream that he was walking on the beach with the Lord. Fast forward to the end. And in the most troublesome times in his life where he seemed like there should be two sets of footprints in the sand. He noticed there was only one. And this bothered him, and he asked the Lord. He said, Lord, why does it seem like, man, when it's really rough, you're not there? He says, child, that's when I'm carrying you. There's people in this room right now, you need some carrying. If you don't, there's people in your family that need some carrying. And I feel like this, this message this morning, your fiery furnace, whatever it is, it's not bigger than your God. And everyone around you is going to begin to feel the flame. Notice the king actually went up to the... Remember it killed everyone else? And it says the king actually went up because faith began to take root in his own heart. Some of the translations say he went up to the door of the furnace. Did you hear what I said? It killed everyone else that opened the door. But the king, because of what he's seen, faith began to grow in his own heart. And he walks up and says, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High. He wanted to know that same king. Is your life a living testimony? Is the life you're living worth Christ dying for? Famous, famous revivalist said that right now. Or not right now, but before. (laughs) 
But I want, is a guy named Leonard Ravenhill, anybody ever heard of that? Heard of him? Today there is something going on from four to eight. But I believe right now, at this moment, there's something going on in this room. I believe there's those of you right now, hear my voice. There are those of you that right now that say, I need freedom. There are those of you right now that said, I'm sick of going in and just doing church. I want an encounter. I want an encounter. We all go into dry places. But I believe that the Father of encounter, the Holy Spirit of encounter, is flowing in this room right now. I believe every week at this church, I know this is a Holy Spirit church, but right now, I want to live in the moment. He is the God that was, that is, and is to come. And right now, we're in the is. Those of you that raised your hands a minute ago, that said you're walking through a fiery furnace, don't you walk out that door. Don't you walk out that door today without, without asking the fourth man to walk with you. There are those of you in this room right now that you need physical healing. And I believe today you're going to receive it. Scripture says, Psalms 107.20, that when the word was brought forth, that healing and deliverance from their destruction began to take place. Reinhard used to tell stories. I know you've heard me guys do my impression and everything else, but when Reinhard would preach the gospel message, he didn't have to do anything else. People would begin to hold up wheelchairs and say, I've been healed. It's been paid for, guys. Your healing has been paid for. Your deliverance has been paid for. True salvation, when He died on that cross, when He said, it is finished, He wasn't playing around. Now my children are able to come to the Father through salvation, through me. Now my children are able to get the healing that God wants to bring in their physical bodies. Now my children are able to walk out the deliverance that they were meant to walk in and their destiny to be unfolded in front of them. I'm looking at a room full of destiny right now. A room full of destiny in Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You want to see this city transformed? Be an instrument of revival. Do you know your own area code? Do you know that Isaiah 8.18 says, I and my children are signs and wonders. You are a walking sign and a wonder. And it's time to get out of that fiery pit. And it's time to get unbound. And it's time to serve the King of Kings. Does that make sense to you right now? I want to hear some amening in here, man, because I know that life, life can bring busyness on us. But how busy was Jesus? That's right, I said it. He gave it all. He gave everything. You walk, we walk by people every day on the side of the road. We walk by students every day. We walk by people all the time that, man, they need an encounter. And do you realize that it just may be your simple act of obedience? Man, last week, last week and a half, right, Sam? We've seen four sets of blind eyes open. I'm preaching louder than you're shouting. We've seen four sets of blind eyes opened by Jesus on the streets. 
and then people receive him as their Lord and Savior. God is doing something tangible. We've been praying, God, would you send true, authentic revival? Like, and, and man, it sounds good, right? We all say the words. Can anybody just be honest? We've all said that before. Anybody in here say you want to see revival? We've all said that before. Let me, let me just, and I know this is, this is free. I'm adding this in here. Can I tell you where I've been, Pastor? We pray, Lord, let revival fall. Let revival fall. Oh, God, let revival fall. But when we do that, sometimes we put everything on God and nothing on us. Like, oh, revival's not happening because God's not ready yet. But Psalms chapter 1, it talks about a tree that is planted near the river. And its roots grow deep and it gets the nutrients from the water that's flowing through there. The leaf never withers, therefore there is no seasons. I would, I'm to a point now when we speak of revival, I would rather plug into what flows than what falls. Don't get me wrong, I still pray, Lord, outpour, give us an outpouring. But I believe we can be flowing instruments of revival. That we can pray for people. That we, can, that we can see people born again. That we can live a life of holiness and consecration. That people will actually look at us and go, there's something different about them. I want what they got. Kyle, the one that I told you in San Francisco, the homeless guy that, that got saved, his exact words were, something's different about you guys. You really love. You really care. Let's all stand. Oh, hallelujah. I could go on and on and on. But there's an evangelist that's a whole lot better than me, and his name is Holy Ghost. His name is Holy Spirit. I believe he's already talking to hearts. You know who you are. You'd say, preacher, I'm, I'm this close from giving up. I've been in this furnace too long and I don't know how to get out. And I believe that message was from me. Or you may be farther along in the process and you say, preacher, I am, I'm unbound, but I need to get out of this thing. Or you may be to the point where you're like, I'm out of it. But I want to know how to share it with others. Because God allowed me to walk through that process so that I could use this as my testimony. I could use this as a word of my testimony. Bro, you can be free from addiction because I've been free from addiction. First and foremost, I want you to hear me. I come here whenever pastor brings me because I love him. I'm going to be honest with you. Your pastor is my friend. I love you guys, but I come here because I love your pastor. And I really believe that God does too. And the work that your pastor's doing here is changing lives. You may be one of those lives that's been changed. But now you need boldness to share that. 
But there's a lot of you in here I've never seen before. So I don't know if you're born again. So right now, at this moment, I want everybody to close your eyes for one second. If you're in this room right now and you say, you know what? I know who Jesus is as Savior, but I don't know Him as Lord. I know who Jesus is because of the stories that I've heard. I know God, or know of God, but I don't know Him. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I'm tired of fighting. I want to go all in. I want to give my heart to Jesus this morning. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up. Come on. Come on. I see you. I see you. I see you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to ask you to do something crazy. I'm going to ask you to come up front. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.